Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Anthony Jogi could not join me tonight, so I will be rolling solo on this episode. I'll be catching up on all the latest news with the Cleveland Browns as they start to trim down the roster uh, with the deadline looming on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, They have started to make some roster cuts, uh, had to make some moves, you know, putting players on injured reserve uh, as they start to trim it down. Obviously, we won't dive into what happened Saturday uh, against Kansas City in the final preseason game. I think uh, everybody that watched it, you know what happened at the end. And uh, we will touch on the kicking situation because I just don't think that's over just yet, even though some people on social media, some media heads are starting to proclaim that Cade York's going to be here. I I wouldn't say that just yet based on some comments that were made Sunday uh, during the day. So we'll get to that. But unfortunately, we got to start this with some tough news on the injured front. Um, Obviously, Saturday, we've got to see finally the debut of Jakeem Grant, his first snap uh, as a Cleveland Brown because, you know, he missed all of last season with the Achilles injury. We were excited to see what he could potentially do. And his first snap was ultimately his last snap because uh, he, the opening kickoff, he takes it, gets it to the 23-yard line, and is immediately down, uh, grabbing his knee. You could tell in serious pain. And, you know, he gets carted off the field. Leg is immediately put into an air cast. So you you feared the worst with that kind of injury, especially seeing how much pain Grant was in. And it was confirmed on Sunday through NFL Network and Coach Kevin Stefanski, Jakeem Grant's done for the 2023 season. Uh, NFL Network reported that he did uh, rupture his patella tendon. Uh, there was the initial fear that he just broke it, which left a slight window to where he could potentially return at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, Jakeem Grant's done. It is so unfortunate because he worked so hard to get back to the football field after the Achilles injury that he suffered last year in training camp. Um, you know, he finally was starting to make strides. Uh, a lot of the reporters and people were saying that he was getting all the reps at kick and punt return. So you kind of thought that he was going to make the 53 man roster, uh, and be, you know, not only the return guy, but to bring that speed element to the Browns offense, which, you know, they have added some serious weapons there with Elijah Moore. They were hoping Jakeem Grant would do something. Um, you know, coming into camp, they were hopeful for Marquise Goodwin, and we did get some good news on that, which I'll get to. Um, but yeah, it's a really unfortunate for Jakeem. You know, he's on the uh, other side of 30, which usually doesn't bode well uh, for football players, and another serious injury uh, takes place. So you have to wonder what's his football future going to look like at this point. Uh, it's rather unfortunate that back to back season ending injuries might end. What was a productive career for him? You know, multiple multiple time All Pro, uh, return guy. You know, he showed his playmaking ability in Miami with the Dolphins, Chicago with the Bears, um, as like a gadget type situational receiver, uh, where they utilized that speed. And you were hopeful that the Browns were going to do that uh, when they brought him in in free agency last year, and they they never got to see it. And it's just unfortunate, not only for the Browns but for Jakeem Grant as well. And you definitely got to hope that you know he can somehow come back. It might not be with the Browns, but if he can make another comeback and another go with it with another NFL team next year after this injury, 
you know, you would hope he can put a positive note onto his NFL career rather than such a negative and sad situation that is unfolding for him. So prayers up to Jakeem Grant. Hopefully he makes a strong recovery from this and makes his way back onto the football field because, you know, you've seen it in Miami and Chicago. Like I said, when he got the ball in his hands, he was electric. He can make plays, whether as a return man or as a gadget type uh, receiver and an offense. You hope we can see that one more time on the football field. But I just kind of feel like that might not be the case just because back-to-back season-ending injuries, it, it could be the end for Jakeem Grant, but I really hope it's not. It, you know, we'll might as well dive into the rest of the injury news that came out uh, during, after the Kansas City game and into Sunday. Uh, Jordan Kananzik, what the Browns special teammates last year, you were thinking he might make the linebacker room. Uh, he's going to be out the next several weeks. Uh, Brad Stainbrook of the OBR reported that it was an MCL injury, uh, so he's going to be out several weeks. I would imagine he'll make the initial 53-man roster and then get placed on injured reserve. Once he comes back from that, then we'll see how the linebacker room shakes out. Uh, this was one of the rooms that was going to be interesting uh, with the cut down. Uh, I had Kananzik making the initial 53-man roster in my projection uh, with JOK, Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki, uh, Muma, Diabate, and I had Tony Fields over Matthew Adams. So I wonder, do they elect to keep Matthew Adams over Tony Fields now in this situation because he's a special teams ace. He came over with a history of working alongside Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator. Do they elect to keep him now with Kanausik out the next several weeks to open the regular season and then sort itself out? I hope not. I like Tony Fields. I do like what Matthew Adams could bring to the table on special teams and as a Sam linebacker, but I did love Tony Fields. It seems like he was all over the field in the preseason making big plays on defense, uh, utilizing his speed. Uh, he was able to go after whoever had the ball in their hands during the preseason. Uh, so this injury may put a hamper on how Andrew Barry uh, constructs the 53-man roster, but we'll definitely see that over the next couple days as time progresses for sure. Um, the other injury news, Denzel Ward is now in the concussion protocol once again. Um, I seen a report that said this is his fourth concussion since entering the league in 2018, and this is definitely something Browns fans need to take seriously. Uh, Denzel Ward, you know, he is, when he's on the field, he's one of the most talented cornerbacks in the league, definitely top 10. Some can make the case for top five for sure. Uh, definitely one of the cornerstones of the Browns defense and what is going to be hopefully a revival year of the defense under Jim Schwartz. But, you know, Denzel Ward... And if it's the play that I think happened, it was early in the game, obviously when the first team defense was out there and I seen him go for a tackle and he was leading head first. Like it, it just makes me disappointed as a fan, as someone that covers a team that for something that was addressed five years ago by Greg Williams about the way Denzel Ward tackles. And he said the best ability, a best ability is availability. And I remember Denzel suffered a stinger. I think it was against the Eagles in a preseason game. And it was tackling the same way. Like we remember Denzel Ward for the big tackle 
and the famous call by Gus Johnson uh, about Denzel Ward and you you got barbecue cooking back there or it was something along those lines and he just made a big impact tackle lit up a offensive player and you know those were the exciting things but that Denzel Ward brought to the table but then you think about his injury history and now this is his potential fourth concussion since becoming a pro not to mention any other potential con- concussions he suffered in college at Ohio State back in high school or at Nordonia these things start to pile up. We've seen the effects of uh, the long-term ramifications of concussions throughout the league over the years. Bernie Kosar, prime example, uh, the toll it took on him physically, mentally, in his post-football career. This is something that Browns fans really need to keep an eye on. This is definitely alarming. Uh, you hope Denzel Ward's okay physically because he is a key part of this defense. You hope that he has a bounce-back type year, but you've got to worry about him and his long-term health moving forward. And this is something really serious that Browns fans need to keep in mind. But you hope Denzel learns from this once again, uh, the way that he tackles. You can't tackle that way, leading with the crown of your helmet. Um, I know it, it, it makes the highlight reels and watching him light up an offensive player. I mean, it's, it's cool to see, but then you worry about his health, his physical health, everything. Uh, that brings with playing that style of defense. So hopefully Denzel's okay. Hopefully he's cleared by the time week one happens. But at the same time, the Browns have been very cautious with him when he's had multiple concussions and he's been in the protocol for quite some time. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Two weeks from the opener of the regular season is something we're definitely going to have to watch for sure. Let's continue with the rest of the Browns news. Um, We did get some good positive news on Sunday. I think it was the best news of the day. Uh, The wide receiver Marquise Goodwin passed his physical and he will be activated off the non-football injury list. Uh, I think this is exciting news. You know, we got the bad news at the beginning of training camp that Marquise Goodwin was dealing with blood clots in his legs and in his lungs and that he was going on the non-football injury list. He was working out on the side every day of training camp, still with the team, but you just didn't know that if he was ever going to see the football field this season or ever again, just because blood clots are a serious situation. Uh, We've seen it in Cleveland in the past uh, and the career of Jason Pinkston, who was a promising offensive lineman for the Browns. Uh, We've seen it in the basketball career of Chris Bosh, uh, there's been other athletes that have had to stop playing because of blood clots, so we weren't sure the outlook for Marquise Goodwin, but uh, he kept working, kept being with the team, being one of those veteran leaders, and you know we get the news on Sunday afternoon that he's back, he's activated, and this is a positive for the for the wide receiver room, uh, just because we don't we didn't have that speed element, that elusiveness in that wide receiver room the last couple years and the additions that they made to the wide receiver room, like Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin bring that element to the Browns offense. It's going to open things up even more. Uh, So this is definitely an exciting um, news just two weeks out from the regular season opener that Goodwin is going to be available to play. Who knows if he's going to be ready to go 
in two weeks' time. You would hope so because he was working out. He was staying uh, around with the team, so I'm sure he was still working out in some form or fashion. But now you got two weeks to get him ramped up, get him out there on the field, get reacclimated with Deshaun Watson and the rest of the offense. Uh, but this could be really exciting. This could open up another uh serious threat to the Browns offense, a new added wrinkle for the Cincinnati Bengals to focus on uh, because Goodwin has always been a big playmaker wherever he's been in his career. And, you know, this gives Kevin Stefanski something else to sprinkle into the offense, you know, along with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, of course, Nick Chubb. It's just another added wrinkle that the Browns could used to exploit defenses because Goodwin still has that Olympic level speed despite being in the league for over 10 years. So that's really exciting. It's going to be interesting to see what the Browns ultimately have in mind for Goodwin, but it's so good that he's cleared to get back on the football field and continue his NFL career. And it's going to be exciting to see what he ultimately brings to this Browns offense in 2023. Uh, Some other news that we got, on Sunday afternoon, the Browns did make a trade. Uh, they shipped out offensive tackle Tyron Wheatley, who I think showed some potential promise. Uh, you know, the Browns picked him up last year after cutdowns, was on the practice squad all year, came into camp, was the backup to Jed Wills at left tackle, uh, did show some promise in games, and people thought maybe he could potentially make the 53-man roster as a backup tackle. I know that um, I debated putting him in just because I know James Hudson's been moved uh, inside, been trying out at guard, so I could have gave the Browns another option to add another tackle to the 53-man roster and go with 10 guys instead of the nine projected that I had ultimately. Uh, but Wheatley gets shipped out to New England, so hopefully he uh, keeps continuing his progression, uh, and hopefully whatever Bill Callahan did with him pays off and he becomes a formidable lineman for the Patriots. Uh, But the Browns did get running back Pierre Strong Jr. in the trade. Pierre Strong was a fourth-round pick out of South Dakota State last year from New England. Uh, Was used very minimally uh, in his rookie year because you had Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris in the Patriots uh, running back room. But he did get a chance to play. If anybody remembers the Monday night game, uh, Pierre Strong had... I think he had, against the Arizona Cardinals, he had seven touches for over 90 yards and a touchdown, including a 44-yard run. Really showed that speed that he brought from South Dakota State. Um, You know, he tested out really well during the pre-draft process. Uh, If you guys are familiar with the relative athletic score, uh, he had a 9.34. He's five. 11 and three quarters, 202 pounds, ran a 4.3740, a 1.51 10 yard split, uh, tested out with an elite speed grade coming out. Uh, his explosion was graded with a great, had a great broad jump, decent vertical. His agility grade was a good. So he's a very good athlete. Comes out of South Dakota State, had over 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns in his collegiate career. Has also shown he can do it out of the backfield as well with 62 catches in his college career and three receiving touchdowns. 
Um, like I said, he was used minimally in New England, was probably on the bubble, especially after they added Ezekiel Elliott. So this is a situation where New England and Cleveland swamped players who weren't going to be probably impact guys on their own rosters, but could benefit the uh, the new teams that they landed on. So Pierre Strong now enters a running back room where you have Nick Chubb and you had Jerome Ford. Those two were the locks. And then there was a fight for that running back three spot uh, with Demetric Felton, John Kelly, Jordan Wilkins. And as of now, Pierre Strong is running back three. We don't know Jerome Ford's status heading into week one against Cincinnati uh, as he's recovering from the hamstring injury. But it gives the Browns three capable running backs now in that room. Obviously, we know what Nick Chubb is and what he's been throughout his career so far. Jerome Ford, minimal opportunities last year, only eight carries his rookie year. We've seen what he did as a kick returner. I was one of the best in the league last year. Pierre Strong also brings that element as well. He only had five kick returns in New England last year, but he did have he did he didn't do it much at South Dakota State, but he averaged twenty five point four yards per kick return. Uh he only had five returns there in South Dakota State, but he could do that as well. He does have the speed and the agility uh to maybe be used as a kick returner if they want to split that between him and Jerome Ford. But now the Browns have at least three running backs on the roster. Could they add a fourth? I think it's definitely possible, especially with the status of Jerome Ford unknown. But we will see how that shakes out. But from the little bit I got to watch of Pierre Strong uh, looking up some of his stuff he did in New England, I want to go back and watch some of the stuff on South Dakota. Uh, I liked what he did. He did some stuff out of the gun last year in New England and was effective. Uh, you're going to see that a lot in Cleveland this year with the new offense uh, and some of the new stuff that Kevin Stefanski is sprinkling in to accommodate Deshaun Watson. So we will see what Pierre Strong can bring to this running back room. And uh, if what he did, even though it was very minimal in New England, uh, if he can bring that over to Cleveland, I think the Browns now have three capable running backs in that room. And it will be exciting to see how they sprinkle them all in in 2023. As we wrap things up, I want to talk about some of the roster cuts real quick. The Browns did start to trim things down. Um, they waived Caleb Biggers, linebacker Cam Bright, tight end Miller Forrestal, tight end Thomas Greeny, cornerback Gavin Heslop, tackle Derek Kelly, wide receiver Jalen Wayne. They also t released guard Colby Gossett and running back Jordan Wilkins. They also waived former third-round pick Anthony Schwartz with an injury designation. So if he doesn't go get claimed after Tuesday's cutdowns, the Browns could put him on injured reserve potentially um, and maybe bring him back at some point throughout the season. But I would imagine they might just uh, release him with an injury settlement. I know that Anthony Schwartz did take to social media after the news broke on Sunday and said, thanks for the opportunity with the peace emoji. Um, we all know Anthony Schwartz was, uh, he had a, he had his ups and he had his downs during his, uh, couple years with the Browns. Um, you know, highly touted coming out as a top 100 pick on Auburn. You know, you were hoping he was going to be that guy that Elijah Moore is expected to be this year. Uh, even at worst, 
what Marquise Goodwin's been throughout his career, uh, Jakeem Grant even, but Anthony Schwartz just could never get into a rhythm here. And I think that's just how best I will sum up the Anthony Schwartz experience. Um, you know, his rookie year, he had a pretty strong debut against Kansas City where he had five catches for 75 yards and you know you were hoping that or three catches for 69 yards and then a carry for 17 yards so he had four touches for 86 yards in his NFL debut and I think everybody was kind of hopeful that he was going to be a playmaker on this offense and then week two against Houston he doesn't finish a route which gets picked off and then Baker Mayfield ends up getting hurt trying to make a play a lot of people blamed Anthony Schwartz for that. I don't think that was warranted at all. Um, I think there was a combination of things that happened there that it just it wasn't all on Anthony Schwartz there. But uh, he definitely had his ups and downs, gets a concussion that rookie year and sidelines him for a month. And then he could just never get into a rhythm, had a hard time catching the ball. Uh, and then last year he just couldn't get into a rhythm again. He, you know had to deal with hamstring injuries often, like I mentioned, could not hold on to the football, uh, had some flashes, uh, had the reverse sweep touchdown against Tampa Bay. Um, so he was a hand in that victory, Jacoby Brissett's last start, but uh, the writing was on the wall coming into this year with the amount of wide receivers they added that Schwartz wasn't going to make the team. And, you know, he had opportunities in the preseason and just couldn't capitalize on them. And I think – and I think I said this on a previous episode of the Dogland podcast. Um, I always thought Schwartz was better off going somewhere else and getting a fresh start somewhere. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if anybody does claim him on the waivers, if he can go get an opportunity somewhere else. Um, I think Cleveland still might be holding out hope that he can be a contributor somehow. Maybe they put him on the practice squad if he clears waivers. Um, I don't know what the situation is there but I do think that Anthony just needs to move on and go elsewhere and get a fresh start with another NFL team and who knows maybe he'll turn the corner and become somewhat of a useful NFL receiver or even if he's like a gadget type guy the way he was utilized during his time in Auburn but uh, you wish Anthony nothing but the best and you got to hope that, you know, he can turn the corner. But maybe football's not suited for him. Maybe he goes back and tries to make the uh, track and field team for the United States because the Olympics is coming up next year. So we will see how that shakes out. Uh, someone else that could that should be on the bubble is Cade York. And we talked about it at the beginning of the show. That kick. He had this situation again on Saturday in Kansas City to – hit a game-winning kick, it gets blocked, going back and watching it several times again. Even if it wasn't blocked, it looked like it was going towards the left. It looked like he probably would have missed it. Um, got very testy with the media on Saturday after the game, saying that he doesn't want pity. Uh, he thinks he can be a weapon in this league. Uh, just came on very smug, in my opinion. Uh and, you know, I've tried to be a Cade York supporter, sometimes a defender, um, but it just seems like he is mentally really affected by these missed kicks that have happened in the preseason. He was two of six in the preseason from 40 to 49. Uh, that doesn't bode well. 
especially with this team that the Browns have currently. I just think that they need to they need a kicker that's going to be mentally right to hit kicks in crucial situations in the game. Hopefully you get somebody that makes all the kicks. I don't I know there's not a kicker that makes 100%, but you hope that there's a guy out there that can make the kicks in crucial situations if the Browns are in a crucial situation in a game, whether it's to tie it or potentially hit a game-winning kick. I don't have that confidence in Cade York. And judging by Kevin Stefanski's comments on Sunday, I don't think the Browns have that much confidence in him anymore. I think they're starting to lose that doubt that this is going to work out for him. Uh, they Kevin Stefanski had a press conference on Sunday it looks like Scott Petrak is the one that asked the question, uh, do you expect Cade York to be the kicker week one? And Kevin Stefanski said, we, we always keep those things internal as we get through this week, but I'll reiterate, I think Cade is very, very talented. Now, last week against Philly, after the, after the game when Cade York missed the potential game-winning kick not only once but twice, he said quite confidently that Cade York was their kicker uh, and they were going to stick by him. And it was, you know, Kevin Spansky has to say those things. Andrew Barry has to say those things publicly. They're going to stick by him, but I have to have a feeling that they are looking at options outside. They may have been after the Philly game, but still wanted to give that confidence boost to Cade York to see if he was going to power through. I think at this point they are looking at uh, external options for the kicker. And I know a lot of people said that, you know, they say one thing and they're going to just stick with that. Thursday, Kevin Zafanski said that Josh Dobbs is going to be the backup quarterback. And then a couple years later, or a couple hours later, excuse me, they traded him to the Arizona Cardinals. So while I tend to want to believe what they say publicly, you also got to keep one eye open and wait for the other shoe to drop. So I know people are kind of freaking out that they're going to stick with Cade York. As as of this recording, it's Sunday night. He's still on the roster. We'll see what happens on Monday or Tuesday once the final cutdowns go through. There may be a trade where they bring in a kicker. I know we were kind of hoping that with this New England trade that they were potentially bringing Nick Folk as well. Maybe those talks still could happen and another trade could be in the works between the Browns and the Patriots. Only time will tell. We'll see how it shakes out. But I do ultimately think that there will be a new kicker on the roster by the end of this week. I don't think Cade York's going to be the kicker of the Cleveland Browns much longer. I think there's a ton of veteran options out there uh, that will get released or potentially traded in the next 48 hours. And I do think the Browns will be in the market for one of those kickers for sure. So that'll wrap things up for the, this edition of the Dogland podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms at the Dogland, whether that's X formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram threads. We're on every social media platform. Go give us a follow. It would really help us out. Be sure to, Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me personally at Jack McCurry08. You can follow Anthony at Anthony Jokey. We'll be back later this week with another episode to recap the rest of the roster moves. 
And as always, as we get on out of here, go Browns.